we call it truish. It's these statements that feel good. You know, they look good and they sound good, but they are lies being told by Satan, and we believe them. You know, even as followers of Jesus as Christians, we, we take a small step and we say, you know what, maybe, maybe there is some truth to that. You know, and the, the danger is that when we accept these beliefs and little by little we take these steps, and before we know, I mean, we're questioning even greater things. And Satan knows and he realizes, again, this master of disguise and creativity, that if, if, if he can just get you to take some small steps, then he can do even greater things in your life, that, that maybe one day he can push you so far and you'll even forget what is true and what is right. Now, Pilate asked, well, then what is truth? And so maybe that's our question then for kind of how we wrap up just over these next few minutes. I mean, because it matters. Again, you know, what you believe affects the way that you live. It affects the way that you behave. And so why is it important to bring light to this subject? Well, briefly, I want you to know that there's just a great challenge that, that comes with, you know, in, in, in realizing what you and I face as followers of Jesus today and wanting to embrace our, our faith and our belief and have confidence in it. I mean, it, it's a challenging world to go and to live in. You know, no matter where, even, even in, in good old Noblesville, even in good old Hamilton County, there, there's a challenge to stand by what you believe. When it comes to my role and my responsibility as a preacher, uh, I understand this because I am called to stand here every week and say, you know what, this is what I believe. This, this is the way. This is what we point to. This, these are the answers. This is where our hope comes from. But if you're coming from a different place than me, you know, and you were raised in a completely different mindset or whatever, I can realize how challenging it is. I can try and realize how challenging it is to hear these things and say, you know what, that just doesn't add up with where I come from. You know, that doesn't add up with the way that I've been taught, you know, and you came from a great home or great surroundings, but that just, it just doesn't click with you. And so when I make a truth claim, I can understand how it would be easy for some to look at what I say or what you say and, you know, and say, you know what, that's arrogant. Now, how dare you make such a statement? I mean, it's, a, it's an arrogant claim. It's, it's very closed-minded. Now, how can you be so confident in what you say? Or, or you might look at a statement that I make or someone else makes and say, well, that, that's a dangerous statement. I mean, some of the problems that we have in this world today, the, the divisions we have are directly because of those statements. I mean, those are dangerous statements. How dare you make such statements? And so I think you can understand, and, and some of you realize how difficult it can be to, to follow Jesus, to stand up for your faith today, when you know that you're going to face so much pressure and so much pushback. Now, for the record, I believe in absolute truth, wholeheartedly. I don't know the answer to every question of this world, but I believe that God created this world, that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this world to die for my sins and to die for your sins. And because of what Jesus Christ has done, I can have a relationship with my Father in heaven. And I, hope, I, I know and I realize that my hope is in heaven, you know, that there's an eternity for me now and waiting for me one day to reside with Jesus Christ because of what he's done for us and because I've chosen to receive that love and that forgiveness in my life. And I believe that it's the greatest message available for a world today that desperately desires and wants to know well, what's the purpose of all this. Does this all lead to somewhere? You know, are we going to get to the end and, and see that there's something to it? And the fact is that people are hungry. I, I know and I believe with all my heart that people are hungry right now and they go searching for meeting and all these sorts of different things. We do it too. But people are hungry for this confidence, this significance, for this truth, you know, for answers. <clears throat> I discovered a new show this weekend that I really enjoyed. We don't get cable at our house and it's been kind of a tough acclimating kind of a deal for me but uh, we were at my mother-in-law's and she's got it and so whenever uh, I'm there it's like I'm a little kid you know it's like yeah what's on tv what's on tv yeah ESPN cool ESPN news great yeah ESPN 2 awesome you know and uh, the discovery channel 
I think the Discovery Channel is pretty cool. Well, the other night I was watching this brand new show. I think it's a brand new show. I like Deadliest Catch, but this brand new show that's on there called Dual Survivor. And I don't know how many of you have seen this show or not. It's a great show. If you've ever seen um, Survivor Man or the Bear Grylls show, Man vs. Wild, same show. All right, same premise, everything. But Dual Survivor is a little different. And you get two guys that get dropped off into the wilderness, survive for a little while, you know, make some money with the TV show, and then they're eventually, you know, rescued or whatever. But the two guys on Dual Survivor are the, is this army guy, you know, and he was a ranger or sniper or something, just really intense guy, knows the ways of the wilderness. So he's the one guy. The other guy is an interesting guy, funny, interesting to watch, but he lives out in the wilderness of Arizona uh, and completely lives off of, of the land. And, but the, 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 the amusing thing about him is he doesn't wear shoes. <clears throat> he doesn't wear shoes. He claims that he hasn't worn a pair of shoes in 20 years. And so this one particular episode, you know, they drop him off, or they drop these two guys off in, on an island, this deserted island in Nova Scotia in January. So it's like zero, snow, ice, and everything. And sure enough, he comes walking off the boat without shoes on. And he's wearing shorts and everything. Now, in this particular episode, he did put on some socks. All right, but so, so the fun of the show is not only watching them survive and what they're willing to eat and the shelter they built, and I've got to make fire, got to make fire, but is the guy who doesn't wear shoes, and the whole point is two guys working together to try and find their way, you know, of survival, of discovery, and then eventually to be rescued and to move on, working to find their way. I believe that there are people today who deny this existence of, of absolute truth, and we see and we hear about relativism and subjectivism, and it's dangerous. You know, I mean, I can understand it, but it's dangerous when it becomes a part of our churches and our teaching. You know, we see it happening in in schools and in laws and policies, wherever you may be. But let me tell you what encourages me as a pastor. Here's what brings me hope as a pastor. In the midst of all of maybe the chaos and confusion that you may or may not realize, I see a loving God, a gracious Father, at work in this world, working to draw people to Himself. And how's He doing it? He, he, he's counteracting even this, this offensive by Satan and helping to create this hunger for more of people who are saying there has to be more to this story. I, I can't just get up and go to work for the next 70 years and die one day and expect that that's all of it. There's something else out there, you know. And now more than any other time in recent past, I just think there's this great hunger for answers. You know, so many people today trying to discover purpose and meaning and hope, people trying to find their way. Maybe that's exactly where you are today. And if you were real honest with yourself, you can't even believe that you found your way into this room this morning because being here on a Sunday isn't, wouldn't be considered your typical choice. You know, there, there's been something else for you. But you're here because a friend's been inviting you for the last year and you finally just got tired of them inviting you and said, okay, fine, I'll check it out, I, I'm going to come. And, and it's possible that all of these words, you know, might be new to you and maybe even already challenging to you. And maybe it's possible that you even said or have even thinking to yourself, you know, yes, everything that I've ever believed about church or Christianity, it's true. Can I challenge that thinking for just a moment and ask you to do one thing? Would you be willing to maybe just kind of be patient and take your time with the message for just a bit, maybe for the first time in your life? 
to say, you know what, I'm not going to be so quick to jump to a conclusion this morning, but maybe I will take some time. Maybe I will take the next few weeks or the next couple of months, you know, because maybe there's something to this place. I like the coffee or the bagels or I like that girl that I came with uh, or, or I like the music or whatever. But would you be willing to take your time and kind of investigate this truth uh, for yourself? I mean, if you have doubts and you have questions and you have thir- hurts, you know, maybe even strong disagreements with what we believe or what I believe or what I say, you know, the church, just step back for a second and, and, and take your time with it. And I want you to know that we're okay with that. We're okay with you to come here and to have some questions and, and just this desire to really kind of discover things for yourself. And, and if this is you, I want to invite you to do a couple of things this morning. You know, the first is this, just, just give it some time. Now, would you be willing to just kind of give this message some time, you know, to your, maybe your journey for whatever reason is running through Genesis, but you've got some of these greater, larger questions, you know, would you give it the appropriate amount of time? Give us some time to state our case, you know, if you would. You know, don't rush off to someone else or something else because you've heard a statement here that you disagree with. But another thing that I want you to do, and I realize that this might not be so easy, but I'm not asking you to um, irrationally embrace this message without even really thinking it through for yourself, but, but would you be willing to do this? Would you be willing to consider for just even a moment that there might be such a thing as truth? And you're not willing to say with your heart or your mind that it is Christianity or that it is Jesus or it is the message of this church, but would you be willing to come to a place where you would be willing to say, you know what? I do believe that there is truth. I'm just not sure what it is yet. And would you be willing for the next few weeks or the next few months to kind of set aside what you believe in and just humbly for a moment accept the the fact that there might be such a thing as absolute truth? You know, this this message of Jesus, what we claim. I I realize, again, I know that might be a challenge for you, but, but do you owe it to yourself to try and fully understand this message? Anybody here <clears throat> courageous enough this past week to stand in long lines to get the brand new iPhone? Anybody? We have anybody willing to admit it? I didn't. I'm, I just got my hands up just so you know what to do if you did. Okay. Maybe on the news you saw the long lines out of Keystone at the Crossing of people waiting to get the new iPhone. Um, it looks cool to me. You know, I don't have an iPhone, but it looks real fancy. Here's the greatest tragedy in my mind for anyone who would be an iPhone user or if you are an iPhone user, no matter if it's the first iPhone or not. The greatest tragedy would be for you to take the phone and only use it as a telephone. All right, and I realize there are probably some people out there like it. You know, you get the iPhone and you just enjoy holding it in your hand, but all you ever use it for is to make phone calls. There's so much more to it, you know. Please go out there and explore to the fullest depths, you know, everything that this phone and device offers to you as a citizen of this world, all right. You know, just check it out for yourself. If you only use it to make phone calls, give it to me and I'll trade you. I'll give you mine and I'll check it out for you. But again, the greatest tragedy would be to have the iPhone and only use it to make telephone calls because it's so much more than that. I think the message of Christianity is kind of the same way, that, that sometimes we, we, we just kind of take one step in with it and kind of take one step out. If you were willing in your mind to believe that there is such a thing as absolute truth, don't you owe it to yourself to kind of do a full investigation of what this message of Christianity is all about? 
And I realize that for some of you, you may be coming from some really tough situations where you were abused by the church or you were abused by someone in the church. Or for you, Christians have just really done a wrong name in this world and and you just think they're nothing but hypocrites. But would you be willing to try and set all of that aside and say, I'm going to fully investigate this for myself? A couple of things and then we'll wrap up um, as it applies to truth. and, And you can kind of think through these things this week. Number one. Truth is not just a what, it's a who. Truth is not just a what, it's a who. Think about that for a second. I mean, it's not just a what, it's a who. You know, truth is not just a philosophy, it's just not a mindset. It's not some teaching that your pastor screams at you for 20 years until you finally one day relent and say, okay, you know, I get it, I understand now. It's not so much a what, it's a who. The truth of this world is a person. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. I am the truth, Jesus said. I am God in the flesh. I represent truth to the entire world. In John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and then verse 14, it says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Here Jesus is referred to as this Word who was not created so that He could come to earth. He's always been. He's always been there with God. But then He came to this earth. Verse 14, the Word became flesh. Jesus Christ came to this world as a man, as the incarnation, and He made His dwelling. He did life amongst real people like you and me. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. This one, what is He? He is full of grace and he is full of truth. Now, what what does the Bible say? Jesus came full of grace and truth. I mean, why is it that so many people have a difficult time rejecting the claims of Christianity today? I don't believe it's because of Jesus. Because if you're a right-minded person and you look at the life of Jesus and you read about the things that he did and the things that he said, the way that he treated people, his compassion, his care for the marginalized, I mean, you can't help but look at his life and go, wow. I mean, if only I could live like that, if only Christians live like that, if only more of us and the world lived like that. I mean, you just can't help but look at him and think, who could live a more truthful life than this man Jesus? And my fear is that when people say that they reject this claim of absolute truth or they reject this claim of Jesus as the truth, that they aren't really rejecting Jesus as much as they're rejecting Christians who have just done a poor job of representing him here on this earth for thousands of years. I mean, when you think about it, compared to the way that Jesus lived, we don't have any excuses. And that's why we've spent a lot of time over this past year talking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, not just a fan of Jesus, but followers of Jesus, that we are changed and transformed by Him. And it's embarrassing, you know, the hypocrisy and the judgmental attitudes that I've had, that maybe you've had, you know, and so that's why we talk about this so much. But if you look at the way that Jesus lived versus the way that Christians live today, for the most part in general, you could just, you could just say, we just, we just don't get it. We don't really understand the life that Jesus is called to. And and I think what happens is that Jesus, that people reject Jesus because of what they have seen in the past. You know, that the church hasn't been, has been all about truth and very little on the grace side that we're, we do real well. We like to proclaim that message of truth, but we don't do so well with this message of grace. But Jesus came for truth and grace. Now there's a flip side to this, you know, and the extreme flip side, the extreme is really this relativism and the subjectivism that's all about the grace stuff. 
you know, yeah, pile it on. We like the grace stuff. And then we look at Jesus and we say, yeah, Jesus is cool. I'm down with Jesus. I'm not a Christian, but I'm all about Jesus. You know, give me more of Jesus. You know, we love him for his grace, but we say, you know what, you can keep the truth stuff. No, we, we love him for his grace, but we don't want to hear the truth stuff, you know, because do what's right for you, you know, do whatever you need. As long as you're sincere, that's all that matters. And so we turn God into this great big God of tolerance. You know, we say that he's all grace and no truth, but the Bible doesn't support that conclusion. If we read it as truth. You know, and why is that important? Because I believe that through Scripture, you know, God speaks to us as a perfectly loving Father. A perfectly loving Father. And when Jesus came, He came, as the Bible says, through, full of grace and truth. Truth and grace. I mean, and when you seek Jesus, I, I think you have to be willing to seek Him completely. You know, and see the entire message. When you experience His grace and His truth, here's what you find. His message is life-changing. It's radical, but His message is life-changing. And the challenge is this. I can't convince you of this. You have to make that decision for yourself. You, you've got to be willing to walk into it, open heart, open mind, open soul, and say, you know what? I, I want to check this out for myself. I can't convince you of it. You, you've got to do that work. For yourself. I mean, I can communicate truth and I can try and be very faithful to what the Word of God says and, and be relevant and not try and trick you or disguise anything, but you have to choose to believe it and to receive it. And so would you be willing to take that risk? I mean, if you're willing to go there and say, there may be such a thing as absolute truth, would you do yourself a favor and say, I'm going to fully investigate the claims of Christianity to really see for myself if what they believe, this belief in absolute truth, it is, if it's indeed true. And so over the next few weeks, would you be willing to step outside of your comfort zone a little bit? Maybe go out on a limb a little bit and just fully engage. And, you know, where you say, I'm, I'm going to take a chance at fully accepting this good news about Jesus. You know, do it. Just go after it. Take a chance in it. You know, and what you believe determines how you, be, you behave, you know, and, and what you believe has ramifications. We believe in this life and in the next. So just check it out for yourself. And if you have questions, if you're a skeptic, uh, do some reading on your own. We would all do well to say, you know what, I'm going to commit myself to reading my Bible. And so if you're into this investigating kind of a thing, and if you want to really know what we, we hope to be and what we live for, just start reading the Gospels, the four first books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and go, I'll go even one further with you, just pick John. John would be a great place to start and just commit yourself. Hey, say over the next few weeks, I'm just going to read John. And when I'm done with John, I'm going to read it again. And when I'm done with it, I, I might even read it again or move on to Matthew, Mark, or Luke. But check it out for yourself. If you want to go a little further in this subject, there are some books that I've been reading over the past few weeks to get ready for this series. I'm going to share some of those books on our Facebook page this week and provide some links, and you can go check them out for yourself and maybe like to do uh, some extra reading and read along with me. Uh, I'd love that. John eight thirty one and 32 <clears throat> To the Jews who had, believed him, who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, meaning if you're willing to fully investigate and to, to get your mind and your heart around this, you are really my disciples. And then verse 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Again, it's not a what as much as it is a who. The truth is Jesus, which leads to the last thing. And Jesus, the one who claimed to be truth, well, guess what? He can set you free. You know, one, one 
pastor that I was reading, the title of one of his uh, chapters is Christianity as a Straitjacket. And he was just referring to some of the thought around him today that, that Christianity is nothing more than a straitjacket when he really makes an incredible case for the fact that, no, nah, it's not a straitjacket. It's really more of a life jacket if you look at it. That, that, that Jesus came so that we might be free. You know, in John eight thirty six it says, So if the Son sets you free, if Jesus sets you free, you will be free indeed. We're going to celebrate that this morning. I'm going to invite our host team uh, to come forward. I, I want to say just a couple more things to you, but I invite the host team to come forward, and we're going to take communion together. Uh, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, uh, whether Genesis Church is your home or not, we invite you to take communion with us together at this time. Uh, you can take the elements. We'll all take them together uh, in just a moment. But as they come, I want to ask you this question. How many of you want to be free this morning? I mean, to be really free, to just know that with confidence and full assurance that, yeah, there is something more to this life. It's not just the seven days a week and I work a job and I'll die one day, but that the truth of Jesus Christ can really set me free. And, and maybe for you that means being set free from fear. You know, whether it be fear from your past or, or fear of your future right now and what tomorrow holds and really if there is anything else to the rest of this, maybe you've got a loved one right now who's sick and, and you just want to believe with all of your heart that this isn't going to be the end. You know, Jesus can set you free. That's what he's promised to us, that the truth will set you free. Uh, maybe for you, it's lack of purpose and hopelessness. It's the challenge that come with that of just believing that there really is something more to this. There's a life that I've been called to. Jesus, he can set you free. Host team, you can come forward and start passing out those elements. And maybe for you, it's a significance issue. You know, just knowing that, you know, I'm not here by accident. That my life does matter to Christ. That I am precious. That the truth, the message of Jesus Christ, it can set you free because... I think the church, I think the message of Jesus gets a bad rap, and I think for all sorts of different reasons. But the message of Jesus Christ isn't an invitation to a life in a straitjacket. It's, it's a life jacket of sorts. It's go live life and realize that you've got something to hold you up in this world that while you might have some questions at times and you might have some doubts, there's something that you can always cling on to. You can cling to Jesus. And that's my proposal to you this morning. I mean, Jesus is the truth. It's what Charles Colson likes to call the great proposal, the message of Jesus, the great proposal. He says this, Christianity does not seek to impose, but in its purest form, it proposes. The gospel is the great proposal. He says, come to the wedding feast, one and all, black, white, rich, poor, east, west, Muslim, Jew, Christian, all are welcome, and it's never too late. God turns no man or woman away, not one. But the key piece is, through His Son, Jesus Christ, the Father brings us into His kingdom. And this is the promise He holds out to individuals and nations alike. A kingdom not of eating and drinking, of marching armies or clashing swords, but a kingdom of righteousness and peace and joy forever in the Holy Spirit. When the Son of God, when the Son of Man, when Jesus Christ sets you free, you will be free indeed. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And whoever receives Him, whoever embraces Him, you'll be forgiven. 
That's the greatest message of all. And that's why we take communion. Uh, It's a great reminder of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And maybe right now you're at a place where, you know, you're holding in your hand a, a small cracker or a piece of bread or this cup of juice, or maybe you're looking at the person around you that is and you aren't. Uh, here's what that means. When, when we hold that bread, when we hold that cracker, it represents the body of Christ. And we realize and we believe that while Jesus Christ came to this earth to set an example, to do a number of incredible things and teachings for us to live by, he came to die. That was the purpose of his mission. He died for me. He died for you. And with that juice, we're reminded that as he was beaten and betrayed, as he was crucified, that his blood shed. And that blood, in a mysterious way, has wiped away all of our sins. It was this great message of love that God sent to us in Jesus Christ. But it's a message that God doesn't force on you. And maybe someone has tried to force it upon you before, but... Those are just bad attempts. God will not force you to love him. You get to make that decision for yourself. He is a God of love. He sent Jesus and Jesus is love. But you get to receive that message for yourself. Uh, we're going to take this communion. You take it right now uh, in your own time. Maybe spend some time in prayer. If, if you're not taking communion with us today, maybe this is a perfect time to ask yourself, what's it going to take for me? What am I resisting? And why is that? Go ahead and take the bread and the juice and then just spend a, a moment or two in prayer and then I'll pray. God in heaven, we give you thanks and we give you praise for Jesus, the one who came to testify to the truth, the one who came to set us free. And God, I pray this morning that as we take these communion elements, that we are once again reminded reminded of what it is that Jesus has done for us, his life, his love, his forgiveness extended to each of us. And for those of us that have received it, God, I just pray that this would be a great motivation, a great act of love here this morning, that we're reminded of Christ and the life, the freedom that he's given to each of us. God, I want to pray for that guy or gal, that that couple, that student that's here today that really has some difficulty and some strong reservations with this message, but they sit here today and they're willing to say, yeah, I'll check it out. God, I thank you for their determination. I thank you for their open heart and their desire to seek these answers, God, to really investigate and to understand if there is truth. And God, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would be faithful in this, uh, that you would speak to their hearts, that you would guide them along the way, that they would know and they would hear from you. And we pray that you do a great work in every life, Lord, those who seek you. And God, I want to pray for those that are here today that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but want that. God, would you help them to know and to realize that even right now in their very own seat, they can pray a silent prayer and say, God, will you save me? Give me Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. And God, would you give them the confidence to believe that if they do this, Lord, that they are indeed saved, that you have have given them new life, you've given them new hope. And I just pray that their desire would be to share that with someone, maybe share that with some of us here today. We thank you, God, and we thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.